Episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Robert. And Robert, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> welcome aboard, sir. I know I don't look anything like Val, so I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh Val will be joining us a little bit later. She um she just is gonna be a little bit late, and that's fine. So she will pop in when she gets here, and I'm sure we'll jump right into the conversation and everything will be fine. Um yeah. But uh, we we appreciate that, and we appreciate you being here, Robert. We're always glad to see well, you. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. I I do feel though with you here and with Tracy here, I need to change my hairstyle just a little bit. <laughs> no <laughs> pressure for me. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost <fine>. beautiful. <laughs> well, not just you got to grow out the facial hair a little bit. Yeah, there's also yeah. that. So I could but, see you doing that before you shave your head. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I used to wear a beard pretty regularly, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. But my current employer does not allow beards as part of the dress code, so I don't, and that's fine. What about we press on beard? Yeah. There you go. Just bring it for the show and then take it off. It'll. There there you go. It'll create like a a secret identity for me. That'll work really well. So. (laughs) Before we get. Oh, go ahead, Tracy. Sorry. I was just going to say, how has everybody's week been? Anything fun? Um, um, took our girls to ice cream for report cards. That was fun. There you go. That's great. They must that have done well on their report cards then. They did well on report cards. That's awesome. No, we, 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 uh, we reward really bad work around it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I went to the big town of Lincoln, Nebraska for a couple days for a business trip. I'm sorry. Actually, I mean, it was actually great. kind of a cute little city, but, um, did you fly or did you drive? I flew. So we had to fly into Denver and then on a little plane and then get on an even littler plane and fly into Lincoln. <laughs> um, you should have flown to Omaha. That's probably. So if, yeah. if you have to do it again, fly to Omaha. It's only an hour. Yeah, hour drive. Yeah, probably get a direct flight to Omaha. Yeah. Easier yeah. than than Lincoln. I didn't make the travel arrangements, so I just showed up. But uh, I enough. did. I got to tell you guys, I tried. There was this little ice cream shop uh, close by the hotel, and so I stopped by and got a sample, and that's all I needed. I didn't need more than a spoonful, but I got the Thanksgiving dinner ice cream, which was a black pepper ice cream with sage stuffing and cranberry swirls. And it was actually kind of good, but I don't think that I could have had more than a, than a spoonful. It, it reminds me of the uh, Willy Wonka gum from Willy Wonka and the uh-huh. chocolate factory. Mm-hmm. Just something shouldn't be in those, in that <laughs> format, but <laughs> it was Thanksgiving dinner, but cold. It was, it was odd, but it was kind of compelling. I don't know. That's just what I eat on Friday. It's Thanksgiving dinner, but cold. Just, we call that leftovers. Most people do, but I mean, Tracy's, you know, if Tracy was to redefine it as Thanksgiving dinner, but cold. Sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll allow that. We'll, we'll let it slide. So that was, that was my fun time this weekend. So before we get into anything, 
We do want to remind everybody to like this video if you're watching it on YouTube and subscribe. We want to do that up front. We want to be better about reminding you to do that. That just is good for us and good for you. So, um, also Tracy, what's going on next week? Next or this week? It'll be this, this week, week when we come right. when this comes out. Yeah, you're right. Friday evening, we're going to be uh, live over at the Midway Tavern. We'll be uh, 21 plus, so you have to be 21 or older to join us. But we'll be doing Disney trivia, holding raffle prizes. We've got anything from a, a smoker to a, a signed football from U of U coach Whittingham. Um, we've got some Disney stuff from Thomas Estrada. I've got a signed Funko from the actress who played Mirabelle in Encanto. We've got all sorts of stuff that we're going to be giving away. Um, just ask for a donation to go to the American Cancer Society. We're trying to raise $5,000. We're about $850 away or so. So we're really close. We're hoping this can help push this over the edge. And we would love to get there that night um, and get over the 5,000. We also understand not everybody's going to be able to make it for whatever reason. So we have posted on our Facebook page, pinned at the top, the link where you can go and donate to the fundraiser that Tracy's got going on to help him get over that $5,000 hump. So uh, if you can't make it totally understand, go ahead and, and donate there. If you can, um, if you can't do either of those things, if you share it, that helps too. That helps. Absolutely. And so. you can make as little as a dollar donation. I mean, everything helps every and every donation, hundred percent of it goes to the American cancer society. Um, there's no skimming off the top. There's no anything like that. So um, everything goes to ACS, which is great. Awesome. Well, you asked how this week went, Tracy, and I'll be honest. One of the highlights is probably what we're going to talk about today. Nice. Uh, I, we, we all went and saw black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, Robert, you and I got to go Wednesday night and see it on IMAX. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Ooh, on IMAX loud. and early and I missed it. Yeah, it was, it was so loud. Oh god! <laughs> it, it, it was it so was loud. really loud. Um, but Jake I, had to put up with my crying children. It was lovely. Your kids are not. They were wonderful. <laughs> they were wonderful. They there was a little bit of a anyway. The seats emotional were, spots. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's for. There are a lot of emotional spots. Somebody posted on on a Facebook group that I'm a part of or page that I follow. Uh, you know, I hope that that Black Panther Wakanda Forever is dedicated to Chadwick Boseman. It is. And there is zero, zero <laughs> doubt. Zero well, doubt. The thing is, at both the beginning and the end, they make no question about that. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. the Marvel, Marvel, much like they did with Stan Lee, did a special bump at the beginning with their Marvel Studios logo where it's all Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought like, that oh, was a really hmm. nice gesture. Well, and I liked, I liked that they did that. And then it was quiet. There was no music going on and, yes. the, and that really kind of drove it home as yeah. well. Uh, and then we get basically the same footage at the end with uh, Shuri uh, as mm -hmm. she's sitting on the beach there. Um, so yeah, there's no doubt. This is absolutely dedicated uh, to him, to his memory, uh, to T'Challa and his memory. Um, and I think they do a great job paying homage to both the character and the actor uh, right up front and throughout the movie. That, uh, that was my feeling on it. So if you're worried about that, it is absolutely dedicated okay. to him. <laughs> if you're worried about it because you don't want it to be, then yeah, sorry. I, you're going to be super disappointed. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah Marvel, Marvel does a good job. They're, they're kind of a classy organization. 
sometimes, usually, most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. Um, you you mentioned spoilers, Robert. We should probably say up front, we are probably going to spoil things in this movie, and that's why we're not going live today. We don't want anyone to come across this by accident on our Facebook feed and have something spoiled. There will be spoilers in this. If you haven't seen it, please go and see it. Then come back, come back and watch this episode. Uh, because we would hate for anyone to have their experience ruined because they watched our show, right? That's Absolutely, fair. that's fair. So, uh, okay. So now uh, you've been warned. Game on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now the warning's out there. <laughs> warning's out there. Go time. And so, if you haven't changed yet, get ready to have it spoiled. <laughs> Although I will say, I don't know that we'll spoil it anymore on this show more than the trailers and the t- toys and the merchandise spoiled it. <laughs> To be fair, <laughs> I, I was able to avoid most of the spoilers. I didn't look at any of the toy sets or the Lego set seemed to really give stuff away lately. So I've definitely stayed away from that. Yeah. The Lego sets were the ones that spoiled it first, actually. Mm. Um, and it was like, well, that's and I actually avoided seeing it. I just read a headline and said, nope. But yeah, they were they were <laughs> like a month and a half ago when they, when they spoiled theirs. Yeah. Dang. So what's since we are talking spoilers, what's the set? Uh it was uh Shuri's Sunbird. And oh. one of the figures is Shuri in the habit. Oh not, okay. Not too dissimilar from this particular. Yeah. Um yeah. but it, yeah, and it was one of those that you're just like, well, no question there what's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I think I think a lot of people kind of guessed that's what was going to happen in the movie anyway the mantle was going to pass to shuri but but still still there was still some possibilities yeah yeah exactly so they yeah but that's the way marketing seems to go nowadays anyway it feels like there the very end (laughs) the mid-credit scene that was not spoiled anyway at all no that was a surprise and a pleasant one but i think most of what happens in the movie i i don't think is a surprise or it wasn't, it didn't feel too surprising to me. Shouldn't be. Yeah, there weren't a lot of twists yeah. and turns. Yeah, which, which is fine. Sometimes I don't mind going to see a movie right. and not having a lot of twists will, and turns. I will argue that there weren't twists and turns because there was one that that uh, that was a big surprise for me that I did not expect them to do. And we can get into that later as we get further into the movie. Mm-hmm. But there was one thing they did that I did not see coming. And I'm like, well, that just happened and that's going to have repercussions. Okay, cool. Now I'm intrigued to see. I know. What, I'm like, I kind of saw the movie. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it twice now. <laughs> so, um, one thing that I will say. So I took I took my daughter to see it on Wednesday. She enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I took my oldest son and my youngest son to see it on Friday, and my youngest is six. Uh huh. This movie did not hold his attention. Mm. I. I for for most of it now when we got toward the end and we got into a lot of the battles and things like that then he was all in but a lot of it the talking and the discussions and everything that was really kind of boring for him we had three bathroom breaks which is a lot i was glad that i had seen it on wednesday so that i could take him and not worry about what i was missing um so i think just be aware of that like it may not be younger kids it may be better to wait until it's on disney plus or whatnot to watch it with them Yeah, Uh, or take it at a time when you don't mind. And let me also add, um, as I mentioned earlier, we took my girls to go see it. My girls are 11 and their attention was held. But uh, one of my daughters is 
very sensitive to to deaths of certain okay. types and a lot of uh, conflict or certain mm -hmm. types of conflict. And this was, I guess you would call it kind of triggering for her in a number of those situations. Mm, um, sure. I knew going in that, you know, they're going to be dealing with T'Challa's death at some point. But I kind of expected that to be at the beginning of the movie. So, like, there's going to be a sad part at the beginning of the movie just to let both girls know what to expect going in. Yeah. And there was much more to came later. It was like, whoa. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, there was more don't, than I don't expected. Don't stab me in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and I kind of did the same thing with, with my youngest because when he found out, um, and this was just a few months ago that he found out that that Chadwick had passed away, that the actor who played Black Panther, mm. he was for a good few minutes was pretty inconsolable. Like he just couldn't understand how that could happen. Um, mm -hmm. And so I tried to prepare him like, Hey, just so you know, in the beginning, they're talking about T'Challa being sick and dying. And cause I wanted him to be, to know that up front. Sure. Um, yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, I wasn't, he, you know, there was more in the movie for sure. So, so I mentioned that I'm wearing this for a reason. So I'll go yes. ahead and get to this cause it does cover part of what we're going into now. So the reason I'm wearing this is because T'Challa's first appearance was in Fantastic Four number 52. Okay. So this was in 1966. So it was his first appearance, but also because, uh, you know, I've got my Black Panther t-shirt. That is cool. However, nice. it's not t-shirt weather here in Utah, so I needed <laughs> something else. It is, uh, that is, that there's is a secondary reason. Um, that I'm wearing it is because of uh, this guy. Yeah. Who also appears prominently in Fantastic Four and causes problems of many kinds and many shades for them. So it was one of those dual tribute kind of things that I figured this is a good way to stay warm and respect the movie and its characters. Yeah. Works on so many levels. Yeah. Namor typically appears in Fantastic Four. I, I, Man, he's been around so long in the Marvel Universe because he predates Marvel comics. Yeah, yep. he predates uh, Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's 1940 in uh, Marvel Mystery Comics number four. Yeah. And so he's been around forever, so he's touched every... But he ties in a lot with the Fantastic Four. I think for a while he's got a thing for Sue Storm. Uh, he still does. He doesn't appreciate very much. He still doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's yeah, that going on. But he's also been tied in with the X Men from time to time, uh, when the Phoenix Force, which also ties into in. the movie. Yep. Yes, when the Phoenix Force comes in and it's AVX, he's part of the group that gets the Phoenix Force with uh, Cyclops and Emma Frost and um, and things like that. So he's he's just been all over the place in the Marvel universe. And so, but this is a, a very interesting take on the character because it's very different yeah. than what we get in the comics. Well, and I, I was really glad to see that this was completely different than DC's Aquaman because yeah. they're yeah. they're really similar in a lot of ways. And so I thought it was really cool instead of it being Atlantis that they created this new world. Um, but it's oh, it's very Mesoamerica based, which I thought was really interesting because you don't get much representation there. Yeah. yeah. No, that, was, that was an interesting choice, I thought, on um, Marvel and Ryan Coogler's part to not just take the character and bring him into the movie, but to also um, give him that background of Mesoamerican, because quite frankly, Namor is kind of like one note, one shot, you know, first the surface world. Right. And I swim really fast. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And this one gave him character. It gave him that they did a fantastic job, in my opinion, of giving him an actual motivation for yeah. why he distrusts the, the surface world. And that was huge. Mm-hmm. And then getting to see him, and you're mentioning how he's different from Aquaman, you get to see him from the beginning, how he feels about his people, how he cares for them, and how they feel about him. Right. And it was, I mean, that whole thing I thought was was beautiful, the way that they handled that. Yeah. Yeah, with, with Aquaman, what we've seen in the movies so far, he's a very reluctant leader yeah. of, of his well, people most of the, of the heroes in the DC, Most of the heroes in the DC universe are. Well, but he, he's he's reluctant to, like, want to lead his people, yeah. too. Like, he doesn't want to be their king, whereas Namor that we see here in, in Wakanda Forever, like, he is very, very dedicated to his people, and that's a big motivation for him. Um, and it was and also I, interesting how he got his name, how they gave him his name. And yeah. Him. And I thought mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was um, kind of fascinating to just kind of turn something that was a, a curse, basically, into I'm going to own this mm-hmm. and, yeah. and you will you respect me as such. And I was like, very strong move on on the writing part there. Yeah, I thought so, too. I'm like, I know this isn't his backstory and that's not where his name comes from at all in the comics, mm-hmm. but I'm down with it. Like this gives him a little bit more motivation. And, and you mentioned too, Robert, he's not just curse the surface world. He is, but he's got reasons and motivation for it besides yeah. just, Oh, they're dumping our garbage into the ocean, which is right. fine. I get that's mm-hmm. a great motivation, but this is so much more because when he goes yeah. back to bury his mom and seeing what they've done, uh, to the people, the native people in that land. Right. And and to me, that it's interesting because Wakanda is a country that never got colonized, that mm-hmm. never got, a, you know, slavery and, and enslaved and, and dispersed. And so when you think about what happened in uh, Mesoamerican culture um, and South American culture, and then you compare it to what happened with African-Americans, there's a lot of similarities there that I thought the film handled really, really well. Yeah, True. And I think that in its own way, I think that the parallel that I'm not sure was truly intentional, but if it was, I think it's a masterstroke to show uh, Talakan as kind of a Mesoamerican Wakanda because those people left their, left, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of the civilization to form their own thing. And for what, 400 years at this point, you know, yeah. had survived and thrived. And I think that it was, you know, I'm, I'm sure that somebody thought this would be a nice little twisty thing, but if it wasn't, that was the, a beautiful bit of luck on their part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I liked the similarities and I thought that it made it intriguing as they discussed. And there's a lot of nuances with the characters and their motivations and what is driving them, um, you know, from Shuri to, Namor to you know nobody none of the characters in my opinion felt really one-dimensional in this for the most part Mm -hmm. main characters I felt like they all were really really complex um which was nice to see because a lot of times in these movies you you get the main core that are pretty complex and then everybody else is really one-dimensional and I didn't Mm -hmm. feel that way for the most part in this I mean when you get to the really fringe side characters like Namora and Atuma, like there's Atuma. not a lot of development there, but um, for the most part, the core, I think there is. And I think it's really nice to see. Coogler's a great storyteller. 
And I think that this shows mm-hmm. again, how great he is at telling these kinds of stories and how respectful he is to uh, different cultures and histories and backgrounds. And I think that that comes through in his storytelling quite a bit. Yeah. So can I use that as a jumping off point for something else? Great. And I think I'm the only person really qualified here to make this comment. Sorry, guys. Okay. Um, the beginning, sorry, the scene where they're doing T'Challa's funeral uh, um, is would be referred to in a lot of Afro-American and Black Canadian culture as a homegoing service. Okay. As mm. opposed to a funeral. Because okay. he's returning to the ancestors. He's, he's going home. It's not just, you know, he's dead. We're mourning him. We're rejoicing and celebrating his life. And it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it is a common, fairly common um, depiction. Well, I'd say it's a stylized depiction because you're also getting a more African influence mm-hmm. of how they're doing it. But it's a celebration of life. And we were, you know, we were proud to have this person in our lives for this time. And we celebrate them as they go on their next phase of the journey. And you don't see that in a lot of Western cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, right. A funeral is very somber, uh, very staid kind of thing. It's very formal. Mm-hmm. And even though they had their rituals, they were celebrating their champion, their king, and, you know, their brother as he moved on to be with the ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's an, it's an interesting scene and I appreciate that kind of um, explanation on it because when you look at, at a lot of the people in the village as they're moving through with the, the casket, it is almost uh, a celebration. Really. I mean, people the are, and... there's, they're smiling and, and dancing and even down to they're all dressed in white as opposed to black. And it's a yeah. big, juxtaposition to what what when i think of a funeral someone moving Mm -hmm. on it's a very different experience Um, yeah and it was it was i was when they showed that i think they showed clips of it in uh the trailers and when i saw that i'm kind of like you know that that's something that you know definitely uh say is for the culture and Uh also to kind of broaden other people's awareness of yeah funerals for different cultures are not all the same right and and, you know, this comes, the homegoing ceremony definitely comes from a lot of African traditions of, and especially during uh, the uh, slavery era, because it was uh-huh. thought that, you know, when the slaves would die, their souls would fly back to Africa and hmm. return home to be at peace. Or, and it's kind of evolved over the years to, uh, you know, going to be with God, going to be in heaven. And it's, you know, you've, you've fought your battle, your journey is done well done we celebrate your life so seeing that on the big screen was was very uh touching in that sense i think that's a much healthier way too i've always felt like it should be more of a celebration of someone's life and achievements and i mean yes you're upset and there's you're sad that they've left you but i think that's a much i think i gravitate gravitate towards (laughs) that more if i can say the word so yeah, thank you for that, Robert. Mm-hmm. I I will say too that the emotion that we get from Romanda and from Shuri in that scene too, wow, is incredibly powerful. And and throughout, Shuri carries this movie a lot, mm-hmm. and 
I mean, Ramonda does as well, but Shuri really, this character comes into her own in this movie and rightfully so. Obviously this is her origin story of how she Mm -hmm. spoilers becomes black Panther, but yeah. Lego spoiled it a month and a half ago. (laughs) And we already gave a warning. So, (laughs) but so, so her character should be coming into her own, but she carries this movie so well. And I, I was really impressed with her performance throughout. Yeah. And then, I mean, Angela Bassett, I mean, just, yeah, I've been a fan of hers. The first time I think I saw her, I was in college and film school and we got a screener. I worked at a video store, so we'd get movies before they came out. And I got a screener of a movie called strange days and she's in it with Ray Fiennes and she blew me away and I've been a fan of hers ever since. And she never disappoints, but man, she brought it in this film. I mean, just she the, totally did. The, everybody really, I mean, just the, the amount of pain and sadness, but yet this determination to carry on. I just yeah. thought it was lovely. The scene where she's uh, in front of the United Nations and talking with them mm. was incredible. <laughs> you know, standing up to Toby Ziegler. I don't know the actor's name, but that's the character from <laughs> Westworld. Yes. Um, who I was, who was delighted to see him like oh my god it's Toby wait no no Richard just got it okay. <laughs> although there were points where it's like freaking Toby come on man <laughs> but but where she is like you know we know what you whisper in your halls we know you're saying mm-hmm. that the Black Panther is dead the king is dead they're without their protector and like it was so powerful because you can tell she was strong and she was protective and she was not going to let anything happen Mm -hmm. to Wakanda. And, and she was going to let them know that nothing was going to happen to Wakanda. Yeah. And having that, having that (laughs) at the same time, you're seeing what happened when somebody broke in to try to steal the vibranium and then they get caught and then they bring them and march them onto the floor of the United (laughs) Nations. I'm like, she's not messing around. Not only that, but the fact that she sat there and listened to both, you know, uh, the United States and the French ambassadors just rail on, you know, well, this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. And she just sat there the entire time, just like, okay. okay. And when it was her time to speak, she didn't raise her voice. Okay. She didn't, didn't get outraged. It was just like, so let me tell you something. And then read them the riot act very calmly and said, by the way, we've got something that you lost. And marches, you know, the door marched the guys in. Yeah. And she just kind of like, it was it was awesome and and you're right she doesn't raise her voice there and throughout the movie there's kind of this controlled like below the surface tempest that you can tell is there but and angela bassett's amazing and she just does a great job playing that up and so then the moment when she lets loose on okoye is that much more powerful because throughout the whole movie she's been controlled and tempered and and very queenly and she still mm-hmm. was in that moment but when she gets emotional there it makes it that much more powerful yeah but also in that moment um she it was finally that the breaking point for her and you could see that i have you know okoye was trying to be diplomatic mm-hmm. right and the fact that to be honest she wasn't wrong mm-hmm. however the tempest that you mentioned that, that seething under the surface has been bubbling for a year now right and then the you know then the incursion into a condo from namor was the you know the final piece of just like 
I'm done. Mm -hmm. I've been, I've played nice. We're done here. And unfortunately, the the target of her temper was Okoye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, and Okoye, to be fair, I think the way that they handled her reaction to being just unloaded on in front of everybody was, was every bit the general that we had seen in the previous Black Panther movie, in the Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. And it just, it fit her the way that she, like, okay. Because it was very much in keeping with the way that when uh, Killmonger took the throne, mm-hmm. like, I serve Wakanda. And it's like, not not who sits on the throne, it's Wakanda. And when the rule of Wakanda tells me I I failed at my job, I can't argue. Yeah. Right. And she, she took it with, I would say, as much grace as a person can in that situation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one thing that you had mentioned before, Robert, that, that I've been thinking of a lot lately is that, is that uh, phase four is all about grieving and picking up the Grief pieces and loss and trauma. Of, of what happened starting with Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, well, really with what first started with the Infinity War with the blip. But I mean, you're absolutely right. And I, what a way to finish out phase four with this film, because that's that nails it on the head. That puts the exclamation point at the end of the sentence. And I was talking with my wife earlier and, you know, I was saying we were talking about, you know, how this, like you just said, was the end of phase four and how, how the phase has been dealing with trauma, grief and loss. And I think it is the perfect bookend to WandaVision. Because if you look at if you look at the beginning of Phase Four with WandaVision, we're dealing with, you know, a first-hand character, a first-hand Avengers dealing with her loss and her grief, or not dealing with it, and the fact that they used comedy to portray that was fantastic. But you're still kind of like, she's she's dealing with something here, and mm-hmm. all of the movies, all in all of the TV series through this through this arc of Phase Four have been dealing with the same thing. I think that this one is the most explosive yeah. trauma uh, way that they're dealing with trauma, uh, the most visibly explosive. And it's not just Ramonda at Okoye. It's not just Shuri dealing with everybody around her. And Shuri is kind of manic through this because she's got, the, she's got guilt. She's got loss. She's mm-hmm. got all these things that she's dealing with. And, you know, am I good enough to, to, move forward right with all of these things on my shoulders and you know namor's loss and the fact that he was people would call him ruthless i would say that he was just very assertive and direct and like mm-hmm. i don't care what what you say what you do this is how it's going to be which is straight out of the comics for him oh yeah it's, you know it's, it's i've spoken and that's just the way it's going to be. Hmm. So I think that, yeah, I don't know. I think that going from, oh, <clears throat> uh, I think that going from WandaVision, where it's a slow burn to get to Wanda's somewhat dealing with the grief, but we really don't even get that until Multiverse of Madness. Right. And then here it's everybody's dealing with this one thing, and it's all of the ripple effects of that. And then it just explodes, <laughs> excuse me, explodes in so many different ways. For so many different people, and it's just like, wow, I'm glad this phase is over now. 
Phase four is, has been an interesting phase and I don't, I, I think a lot of people have really struggled with phase four because mm-hmm. it is very different from what we saw in phase three that went up through end game. And now phase four really is picking up the pieces after what happened in end game. That was a really yeah. hard for everybody involved. Um, the fans included, obviously not mm-hmm. as hard for us because we were just watching it, not experiencing it, but but I think it's been really difficult for people to get through because I don't know what we wanted necessarily, but I think dealing with grief and loss was not what people really wanted to do, but it's what the characters okay. needed to do. We had to get there to get to phase five and whatever the next thing is that comes. Right. But I think right. part of it, like you're saying, part of it is not just the audience, but the characters. And I don't think that you could have an event like the snap and the blip mm-hmm. and, and not deal with it i mean there have been things that we've seen in universe that haven't been dealt with it like you know uh just another thursday hand in the ocean (laughs) but but you know i think that this was necessary to see the characters for their development to be honest Uh to be fair we haven't even seen most of the mainstream avengers and how they've dealt with this right and i think that when we get to the next phase and we start seeing you know who's left and them I really want to hear that at least one of them outside of Bucky and Sam have been in therapy. Yeah. That'd be great. Or have, yeah. or, or have just had a hard time coping at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think this almost hits doubly hard for, for Wakanda and for um, T'Challa and his family, because he was wiped out of existence during the, the blip. He's gone for five years, comes back and then develops this mystery illness and then leaves again. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just heartbreaking. Yeah. And that's where Ramonda's emotional restraint and then explosion mm-hmm. all come into play. And I, I know uh, that there's been talk out there that, that Ryan Coogler had a, a script or a story, not, a, I don't know about a script, but a story idea for where we were going to go before uh, Chadwick's passing and that was going to be mm-hmm. how does he deal with he was gone for five years and now he comes back to the kingdom and and things like that and I think that's what most of phase four has had to be is yeah. Yeah, how do we mm-hmm. deal with if we were gone for five years and now we're back all of a sudden and how does that look and what does the world look like um, but and that leads to the question that's kind of been out there you know Disney had to make a choice Marvel had to make a choice do we recast the character T'Challa and move forward right. with our original story idea or do we not recast it and have to go back to the and come up with a different story and go in a different direction? And you've got one group of fans that felt like they made the right decision by not recasting and mm-hmm. by going and moving forward with the character. And then you have another group of fans that feel like you're dishonoring somehow T'Challa by, by not recasting it and bringing that character back. Um, what are your guys' thoughts now that you've seen the movie? Did that change how you felt about the decision that they made? Do you feel like they made the right decision? What are your thoughts? I'm going to let Tracy go first. Okay. Um, I I thought that was the correct move. I think when you've got somebody of Chadwick Boseman's, not just his acting ability, but I mean, the, the, and I'm I'm not the right person to talk about this, but I, I have seen reaction videos and I've read essays and about how much this movie changed people because it was a representation of their color 
up on the screen that has been not shown nearly enough. And to know what kind of person Chadwick was and what kind of decency he had, um, I think it was the right thing to do to not to not recast. And now with the um, we we have a new Black Panther, and then with the end credit we have T'Challa's son, which they may or may not bring in the future that's up to whatever they're going to do but i thought that that was a really graceful and well done move on on marvel's part okay well we'll follow that up wow maybe i shouldn't let you go first um no i think that it was the right call um Uh we've seen that marvel is not afraid to recast uh edward norton to mark ruffalo uh, Terrence Howard to um, Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid to recast, or in certain cases, even to use a, use an actor in two different roles, like Gemma Chan in both Captain Marvel and The Eternals. Mm-hmm. So they're not afraid to take to make those choices. However, given <sighs> wow, given the way that Chadwick Boseman portrayed and embodied T'Challa, and not just on screen, but if you look at his work, knowing that he had advanced stage cancer, said nothing about it, and the grace and nobility with which he carried himself off screen, going to visit children in the hospital, doing press junkets, the whole nine yards, and just, you know, just being Chadwick Boseman representing his, himself and his company, his character, I think that by not going back and going, we're going to just throw another body at this. Yeah. I think that would have been the entirely wrong move. I think that would have been disrespectful to the memory of what he did and what he brought to that character. And, you know, Ryan Coogler and his writing team as well, um, what they brought, how they brought that character to the page for him to bring to the screen Uh and the way that he was able to carry that and, advance it and not just i mean if you even look at uh in crud captain america the winter soldier Mm -hmm. uh the scenes where he's working with john connie as tachaka at the united nations before the explosion bozeman went pardon me i'm sorry civil war War. you are right it is civil war i apologize it is civil war um but when they were running the scenes for that bozeman was you know they were talking in English in certain parts, and then Bozeman was like, "That doesn't feel right. What can we do to make the sound more natural?" <clears throat> and they, he had them rewrite part of his script in Zosha, which was John Connie's native language, which is what Wakandan is derived from, oh, which okay. is what they actually write. And he's like, "This makes this this makes this more realistic and more more has more gravitas to it," and not. All not a lot of actors would have been like, would have had that thought of what can we do to make this to make this more you know resonant and mm-hmm. to make it work properly. And he was just like, no, we do this. So they rewrote part of his dialogue, and it wasn't a lot of it, but it was just enough to go. He learned that to be to converse with Connie in his native language, and you know his thoughts. The fact that T'Challa spoke with. The accent he did was also Chadman's choice, or Chadwick Boseman's choice, because he's yeah. like, if a country has not been colonized, they're not going to have all of these things in their language, right. so they're not going to sound like everybody else on the continent. 
Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that was my little. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Sorry. No, that was that was great. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. I. So yes, I, I long, long, too long didn't read. Yes, they made the right call by not recasting. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, and I was really pleased with how they told this story. And um, to me, I felt like they really, you could tell everybody that was involved really brought it in this. Like they wanted this to be a good uh-huh. movie and a good story. And, and, and to live up to his yeah. honor. Um, one thing well, I, I watched an interview with some of the actresses um, and they said when they were doing the fight choreography for the first Black Panther, um, Chadwin brought in a friend of his who was a drummer and he would drum and they would base their fight moves off the rhythm of the drumming. And they brought him back for this one because they felt like we have to. This is this is something Chadwick brought to us. We've got to have this in there. Um, so just stuff like that, I think, was just you can tell how much this man made a difference in these people's lives. This wasn't just, I was in a movie with him. This was a man who changed people that he encountered. Um, and it's obvious on the screen, this is real pain, but real healing and real moving forward as well. Agreed. I actually follow some of the Dora actors on uh, social media. And for the past year and a half, since uh, Chadwick's you know, his death, uh-huh. you know, their grief, watching him grieve in real time and then realize we still have to come back and deal with this. And all of them acknowledging we're not okay with it. We're not okay. Right. In real time, both, you know, in their real lives and then having to, you know, tamp that down a bit to be able to make this movie. And all of, I think that all of the expressions of, of emotion that we saw from everybody involved who was in the first movie, we see that on the screen. And I, I think that it's, I think it's also a bit of catharsis because yeah. they have, they get to publicly and share with us their grief and their love of this man who, like Tracy said, changed their lives in many cases, yeah. transformed them in, in, mm-hmm. in, in fundamental ways. Yeah. And I think everyone, well, most people I would hope expected that we were going to be grieving T'Challa. Yeah. We'd be grieving Chadwick in this. I don't think any of us necessarily expected that we were going to be grieving Ramonda. No, oh. <laughs> that was the point I was going to make. That was the, that was the, they did that's true. That yeah. was the, yeah, was like, yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I that was the, that. yeah, that was a, that was a shock to say the least. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> there's like I, did, I expected her to, to be queen mother in mm-hmm. perpetuity, and mm-hmm. it was just like, no, well, that that's different. Yeah, well, it it really added a new level to to Suri because she she's already told um, her mom that if I sit and think about, oh, oh no, I think Tracy froze. Okay, sorry. No, um, you're good. You're back now. You're back. <laughs> so basically, she says, "If I sit and think about my brother and what we've gone through, I'm I'm not going to burn his clothes. I'm going to burn down the world." And now she's lost her mother. On top of that, and that really gives her 
allowing Namor to yield at the end even more gravita and power. Well, I, I think that not only, I mean, look at what she's what she has lost, and it's the same as Ramonda, with an exception of Ramonda being included. But in a six-year span, she lost her brother twice. I'm sorry, she yeah. lost her father, lost her brother twice, and has guilt over the second one that she couldn't mm-hmm. do anything or wasn't ready to do anything, and then loses her mother. Yeah, you know, a year after her brother. The fact that she had the ability to be compassionate to Namor mm-hmm. and to and to be the leader that the Wakandans needed at mm-hmm. that point um, to to try and find a noble solution speaks volumes to you know how she dealt with her inner conflict. Yeah, well, and and in the beginning she wasn't. I mean, the, she gets there, but I the conversation when she has uh, when she speaks with Mbaku, and mm-hmm. he is all of a sudden the voice of reason. Which you've really got to examine what's going on when he becomes the voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> but but where he's saying, you know, of course, of course, your mother was worth going to war for. Yeah, but that's not what she wanted for you. Yeah, and her response. My mom's dead. What she wanted for me, her hopes and dreams for me, they don't matter anymore because yeah. she's gone. And like in that exactly. moment, I'm like, I don't know what she's going to do. Right. I mean, it's a Marvel movie, so I kind of had an idea of eventually <laughs> what she was going to do. But in that moment, right, she delivers that line, you're questioning. I mean, she she is ready to go to all out war. And quite frankly, if I was in her position, I'd probably be ready to go to all out war. Yeah. more as well to take it out on somebody she can't do anything about what happened with her dad what happened with her brother but she can do something to avenge her mom and yeah. to avenge her kingdom and i think she's ready to do that um and then to have that moment the same line yes that her mom delivered mm-hmm. to t'challa and then delivered uh-huh. to her on the ancestral plane that Show was a powerful who moment. You are, yeah. Well, well, going back to Mumbaku for just a moment, it was interesting to see him and how he both did and did not change over that five-year span. Mm-hmm. You've got you've got the point where he still looks at the other Wakandans like, "You fools are doing all of this that you don't need to do." <laughs> but yeah, and he's still, you know, he's still he, he's not as high and mighty about it. Right. right. He's 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 come to appreciate them as greater tribe, basically. As seen when they come to the Jabari lands, and he's not like y'all on the clock, you gotta get you gotta get step in and get out. Like how you guys but get he, anything done is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you know, watching him watching that bit of growth for him was one thing, but watching the parallels of his relationship with Shuri versus his relationship with T'Challa as as you know like you said the voice of reason at this point and we need to you need to think not just act you need yeah. to have purpose not just not just the power and being able to talk her moment not even momentarily talk her off the ledge that, that, yeah. that he's trying to talk her off the ledge and couldn't but the fact that somebody had to and really i think that he was the only person because she's not going to listen to the royal council right. at all 
the Dora are going to follow her because she's now effectively the crown princess. But I think that the fact that M'Baku, you know, tried to be that voice of reason for her, and then watching when she finally dons the ha- the Phantom habit and comes back, and well, we can't go to Warrior Falls. Somebody has to kind of challenge you, and they have that that arm wrestling match in the middle of the of all the tribal council, and looking at him like somebody's got to do it. All right, I'm the guy, and the fact that. He, he knew that somebody had to be there to try to balance her rage and try to balance her her emotional state mm-hmm. at that point. And just watching how he then, you know, and then at the end of the movie where, you know, he's like, the Black Panther sends her regrets. And you're just like, oh, great. You can see M'Baku being M'Baku that we are kind of used to again. But watching that, that arc of him, that smaller, that we don't see as much of it on the screen, but watching it in just the scenes that he is in, the art that he took as well, I thought was also really good. I think the the, the moment for me that kind of captures that he's he's still Jabari that's kind of outside of Wakanda, but still part of Wakanda 100% and, and more part of Wakanda is when they're standing there and uh, they're saying, oh, yeah, they brought back the princess. And like, oh, she's probably going to the queen's probably going to reward her with a lifetime banishment, you know, joking and kind of <laughs> criticizing the queen. And then the water explosion, the boat tips over. And without hesitation, he jumps in to save this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you kind of see to me that kind of embodied where he was, where he's still kind of an outsider, but he is now more a part of the larger Wakanda uh, than they were before. And I think. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed his character in this movie quite a bit. Um, I would have I would have loved to see more of him, but I'm glad for what we got. Yeah, yeah, and and it feels like they're definitely setting up for more story with him. Yeah, hopefully so. That would be great to see. Yeah, I'd love to see how the Jabari live. Yeah. So now I I'm not a big comics guy, but I know that Ironheart is incredibly popular. So I want to get your guys's take on the introduction of that character. Because we're getting a Disney Plus series coming. So have at it, boys. I think I'm and I I'll, I'll go first, Robert, and then I want to hear your take, obviously. But sure. um, I think one of the biggest criticisms that I've seen is Riri's character in this because she or she's just kind of there, right? And mm-hmm. it's just to introduce her series. This does not bother me, and the reason it doesn't is because I have been reading comics for a lot of years, and this is how a lot of what become major characters show up in comics. Mm. They show up in a series that's not really related to, I mean, it is, and that's kind of their origin, but Wolverine, for example, Fantastic Four, where this Panther shows up, um, <laughs> Wolverine shows up in, in Hulk, and, it, you know, for a couple of issues and then that leads to him being who he is you've got cable shows up in the new mutants like it doesn't bother me because to me it's very much what it should be in a comic book type Uh world is they kind of show up in the side story and then that's going to lead to their own series and i'm totally fine with it i really liked her character a lot and that probably helped me not have any issues with with her and her story arc um so i i liked her what Jake said, no. Um, <laughs> I, I agree. No, I, I feel that I feel that she was underutilized. I felt that she was to a degree a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Um, they her story was adapted from 
this 15 year old kid, you know, Wunderkind builds and, you know, basically builds an Iron Man suit in her dorm mm -hmm. at MIT at 15. Now, we get to see some of that with uh, her Mark I frame that they had, that you had a little bit of screen time in. Um, and you get to see it when, you know, uh, Everett Ross is like, oh, yeah, this kid in MIT built this vibranium protective machine because somebody said she could never make it work. Right. So we get the idea that, okay, she's she's the smart kid. Uh -huh. um, I think that, you know, and I can understand not giving all of the secrets away because she's got a series coming up next year. Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me, getting to see her both in action and in the lab gives you an idea of who this kid is at heart. She's a tinkerer. She's an engineer. She's apparently really, really smart. Mm -hmm. I mean, quite frankly, I would love to see something where we see um, Shuri and um, Riri has become like the new science sisters. Yeah. yeah. And kind of take kind of take on the, the Bruce and uh, Tony role with, with possibly with Bruce as like uh, advisor mm -hmm. or just right. some guy they talk to just to go like, you know, to go, that's nice that you came up with that. We're going to go do this stuff now and make it work. Yeah. Um, kind of like Shuri talks to uh, Bruce in uh, Infinity War when they were talking about right. the vision. Um, I like, I, you know, I appreciated getting to see her. Um, I know there's been criticisms about her armor, uh -huh. her, Mark, her Mark II armor, but I'm thinking if you go from being a college student who's working with scraps, who built him in a shop in, in a cave of scraps, you know, yeah. she's, she's, she's literally Tony Stark working in a mechanic shop, right. whatever you can grab, which they also uh, brought up with the uh, the first vibranium detector that she right. It was like because the story's like some of this is fantastic, some of this is like she went to a scrapyard to get. So she's she is uh creative in her engineering. Right. But when you go from working in the scrapyard to I have the resources of the wealthiest nation in the country and mm -hmm. an AI that can build it and all of this stuff, you get the armor that we saw. Right. And and I can see where some people are like, it doesn't look like an Iron Man armor. I don't want it to. Right. I want it to be. I want it to look like something that a teenager. Mm -hmm. You know, Iron Man did that pretty well, but I want to add this and this or do this. And then you also get to add in, <clears throat> excuse me, the Wakandan factor. So you get the suit that we got, which that we don't got. Yeah, she doesn't get to keep it, which is. And I'm wondering if that's if that's uh, uh, red herring for later or Chekhov's gun. For later, where Shuri's like, eh, okay, there you, here go. you go. Yeah, yeah. I I think well, one of my favorite things about her character in this is the interactions between her and Shuri because that she was the one character that Shuri could kind of let her hair down in a sense and just be a normal kid. The fact yeah. that they greet each other with yo all yo. the time and they're very <laughs> casual and comfortable around each other. Shuri doesn't have a lot of friends. I mean, she has yeah. a lot of people that care about her and well, want the best for her, but yeah. she doesn't right. have someone that like, hey, let's hang out and like just chill and just chill out. And yeah. and she gets that with Riri. Riri. Is that mm -hmm. Riri. Riri? She gets it with Riri. And I like that. I liked seeing their interactions for that reason because Shuri needs that. I mean, I she does. 
and especially now. Yeah. And well, so I, um, I would love to see, things, like you said, Robert, I'd love to see that relationship continue to develop in for, in future projects. And I don't need and I don't need it to be in every movie or every episode no. kind of thing. Even if it's just like shooting somebody a text message or something, just like, hey, by the way, blah. And it's like just to know that that connection is still there. Yeah. But uh, the other thing with Riri that I thought was hilarious that I'm sure that many other people in the theater when we saw Jake didn't get was when they introduced her. I'm sorry, not when they introduced her, when Shuri follows her back to her dorm room. Uh huh. And she's trying to trying to, you know, say, you need to come with me. And Riri's like, why are you following me? And then Okoye comes out mm-hmm. and then she starts bagging on Okoye. Like, I know you're not talking like all that stuff, like that ash on your head. I'm sure that nobody in our audience knew what that was about. I almost fell out of my chair because it was very much a black culture reference. Mm-hmm. Just like, and, and, and Okoye's reaction was like, oh, what? I thought you told me that I looked fine. And Reed Story's trying to talk her down. There's just like, well done. Just one thing, just a quick throw in that uh-huh. is again a cultural reference that isn't for everybody. Was I thought right. it was perfect. But it yeah. doesn't alienate. It's not like everybody's going, I mean, it just passes by most people or a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, but those that get it get it. And I love the line too when um when Suri is like, You've you've built all this in your your dorm here and she's like yeah to be young and fabulous and black am i right and i was just like that's a great line we well then we should follow that up with you probably don't say that in wakanda because <laughs> <laughs> oh, the little sides like that i think were perfect i think the writing staff nailed and i think that um dominique thorne and leticia wright and um denai guerrera in that moment captured the generation gap captured the cultural gap captured you know the commonalities of culture in that three minute scene uh-huh. so well mm-hmm. i agree i yeah i i really liked her character i liked i like Ironheart. i'm on board I'm with interested the, series. To see the, so series. the point of having her in this was to get me on board with the series for me mission accomplished and i don't I, feel like it took away from the main story even though no. You know, they could have accomplished a lot of the same stuff without her character being there, but it didn't distract from it. I felt like so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, with comics, you and I are kind of used to the character pops up here, disappears for like a year, yeah. and then shows up again over here in an entirely different title, doing something similar in most cases. Um, but I mean, we've had that before. We've had it with um, a number of characters, and especially in this movie, we had it with. Uh, uh, Val Delafontaine, the FBI yeah. director, who first appears in uh, Falcon Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, and she you know, pops up there. And you're like, well, okay, that's gonna that's something. And now she, you see that she's got a larger role, and we know that going forward, she's going to have an even larger role with the mm-hmm. Thunderbolts. Yep. Yeah, and she's. I don't know what the organization is called that she's. I mean, I know it's the CIA right now, but I don't know behind the scenes what she's representing, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's Hydra or an offshoot or whatever it's going to be, but she's going to be forming Thunderbolts and it's going to be covert. And it's, I mean, her being here in some ways, it's kind of like, that's interesting. But in other Mm -hmm. ways, it's like, no, this makes sense because if you were trying to accomplish what I think she's trying to accomplish, 
then getting into the CIA and working your and getting in as the director is the place where you are going to want this individual to be because she's going to be able to find those superhumans and beings and things like that, that she wants to recruit into this Thunderbolts group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Her being his ex-wife was a little bit weird. I'm not sure I really yeah. needed that part, yeah. but her being in it, it didn't bother me. So agreed. But uh, well, I excuse me. Unfortunately, Valerie had internet issues, oh. and so she wasn't able to join us. So sorry, Val. But she yeah, did seem to like the movie. If you're watching the video, she popped in for a minute, and you got to see her on video. But uh, but <laughs> internet issues, and unfortunately, and we're sorry about that, Val. Um, because I I know she would love to be here to talk about this movie. So yeah, this just means we have to do a second one now. Yeah, well, there's enough to talk about. Too. We didn't get to everything. Yeah. yeah, we didn't even get to. We didn't really get to talk about um, Namor City or the fact yeah. that he's a mutant, and they just flat oh, out yeah. say that he's a mutant. And that's huge. <laughs> that's, that's the second time. Yeah, Kamala. Well, it's the the first, first. It's actually the first time because the other was like mutation. There's a yeah. mutation in your blood. Yeah. So this is the first time yeah. we actually come out and said mutant. And you're mutant. like, oh, they exist finally. Yeah. And it's, um, and it's, but that does bring up it does bring up one thing with Namor that I didn't care for. It's the four hundred years old part. Yeah, and I think that it gives him. I think it gave him a great perspective on on surface society and what he truly didn't like about it. But you know, in the comics, granted, he's been around since Captain America's time, so he's roughly a hundredish years old, which wow. I think is, which I think for me is enough. But I think that the four hundred was a bit much, but I didn't write the story, so I'm I'm not going to complain. And I think that what they did with him, given that change, wasn't so didn't break anything. Mm-hmm. Right, it was just different. Yeah, it fit it fit with the narrative that they were telling and the character mm-hmm. that they were building. But I agree, he didn't need to be that old, but it works and it's fine. It's not enough to it's not a deal breaker yeah. for me. But I do think it's a nice nod that he's kind of the first mutant flat out saying he's a mutant because since he's been around in the comics for so long, he kind of is the first mutant mm-hmm. in Marvel I mean, finally came around and admitted that, that he was, and then they backtracked and made it apocalypse in the X-Men. Yeah. But, but for a while there, they were, they actually built Namor as Marvel's first mutant. Yeah. But now apocalypse predates him by a ton and yeah, whatever, but um <laughs> But it's so di- apocalypse is a different kind of mutant because anyway it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, we'll just leave that alone. That'll, that's yeah. another. That's that's another episode entirely. But I am wondering, and this was a thought that I had, and this is going to get super nerdy comics wise. But I am wondering because we've got the heart shaped herb that is mm-hmm. because it's in vibranium rich soil. Then we've got the plant that Namor's people took that. Mm-hmm was also in vibranium rich soil. And so it had those properties. That's what turned him into a mutant. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if we're tying that into how mutants kind of come into being, Hmm. but with the plant piece, I can't help, but think a little bit of Krakoa. And if we're going to get there sooner than later with the X-Men. Curse you, Jake. (laughs) Now you're making me fit. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's far off in my mind. Like it, it took us, took us 60 years to get there in the comics so i don't know that we could really get there in like two movies but i couldn't help but think of it and it could just be a coincidence but uh anyway it was interesting 
Sorry, Robert. I, don't have a, I can't twirl my mustache. But, um, no, that's an interesting thought. I don't think that you could do it in the Atlantic because I think that um, Namor and the tele, telecons, telecons would have noticed something. Right. Um, Krakoa has traditionally been in the Pacific. If the meteor that crashed in Telecon or in the Gulf came across the peninsula, which would have to do to make it all the way to Africa and in that arc yeah. um, or trajectory wise, then I could see a fragment of it breaking off, dropping into some island in it, you know, some uncharted island. I, I can just so, go with Shuri's explanation where she said there could have been more than one meteorite. Yeah. Yeah, it's covered mostly yeah. in water. So it's possible there's another one that landed in the Pacific. Yep. I don't know. It was just a no, thought I had. I never thought about that. That's actually really I, curses. It's fun to think about now. Thanks for it. <laughs> it's fun to think about. That's what I love about these movies is they throw in stuff and some of it is on purpose and some of it as fanboys, we just kind of go deep and we're like, well, maybe uh-huh. it's this. And then, you know, you're. Well, you start seeing Mephisto everywhere, Ty. In honor of Ty, I think that the meteorite just ties into Mephisto. Of course. (laughs) It's all Mephisto's fault. (laughs) Sir, he's going to be the new Ghost Rider. (laughs) I would pay to see that. (laughs) Oh, you know, get me Ghost Rider. She's like Ghost Panther. There we go. There you go. Ghost Panther. (laughs) She shows Uh, up and starts burning everything. (laughs) So. We need to give this movie a grade. Okay. That's uh, what Val, we do on the show. Val says she would have gone a B plus on this. Um, that's probably where I'm gonna be. I'm gonna I'm I'm I, I need to see it again. Um, I'm kind of in the B plus A minus range. I felt like um like I liked the fact that we had time for these characters to grieve and to talk, um, but it just felt a little long to me. So if if I could have tightened it up just a just a hair more, it would have improved it. But the performances were amazing. I thought honored Chadwick in Chadwick in, in wonderful ways. Sets up future Avengers with Ironheart and with possibly T'Challa's son. We get Namor, and he didn't necessarily become the good guy. Um, he's still very much a wild card, and his people are as well. Um, so he could kind of continue to play that kind of that anti-hero role. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm going to land. What about you, Jake? Uh, for me, it's an A minus. I think this may get. I afterward, I gave a comment to to the people that were running it. So we went to a special screening. It was a pre screening. We're very grateful to the studios for for sending that to us and uh, allowing us to come and participate in that. They asked for a comment at the end. I said this might be my top three Marvel movies now. Okay. On the second viewing, I right before I went and saw the second viewing, I read a. Uh, critique of it a critics review of it that was probably more critical than i typically am with movies Uh um and so i kind of watched for some of the things that they pointed out and i'll be honest it wasn't there for me i really like this movie and i think it's really really well done so i'm sticking with an a minus is it top three i don't know i need to go back and watch the old top three and see if this does beat them out but i really i really appreciated this movie a lot wow so I had this conversation at work on Thursday after seeing it, or a limited version of it. So it was like, uh-huh. how was it? How does it measure up? And for me, it is a very worthy successor to the first movie. I think that you have a narrative that is a single thread 
despite moving through other movies, despite the characters appearing in other movies and shows, it is still a single narrative thread that mm-hmm. holds together um, to make an out-of-universe uh, correlation. Uh, Superman and the Donner cut of Superman 2. Oh, is, is that yeah. being one narrative thread? Um, along those lines, it holds up well. I am not sure which one I prefer, actually. I, again, need to see it, like both of you need to see it again, just to kind of feel out a couple of a couple of things. Um, but I think that the first one still edges it out for me. So I am in the A minus, B plus range, but I think I'm going to have to go B plus. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like it was quite as good as the first one, but it's really good. It's definitely a worthy successor. But it's but it's also an entirely different movie. It, it feels like a different movie because the first movie was, you know, the origin story, the, um, you know, who, who is this guy? What is he dealing with? And this one is the, well, he's no longer here. Yeah. How do we deal with that? And the emotional roller coaster in this movie was an emotional roller coaster. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, and, and beginning we, to end. We talked about how heavy it is, but there's some really lighthearted moments and some great action scenes. There's yeah. some really yeah. well um, choreographed and edited fight scenes, which was great. I, it's interesting when you talk about the first one. I think one of the things that the first one did really, really well, and you mentioned it being an origin story for the Black Panther, but it's really an origin story for Wakanda and all of what Wakanda yeah. is and the culture and everything. Yeah. And I'm grateful that it did that so well and so strongly in the first one because mm-hmm. that made it possible to make this movie what it was. Yeah, agreed. Because we already were bought in to Wakanda and the people and the characters outside of just T'Challa. And right. so mm-hmm. it was easy like, to still say, I, I, I want to be there. I'll pay the 15 bucks for a movie ticket to sit and watch it because I'm already invested in these characters from the first movie, which is awesome. Yeah, agreed. And, and again, in the same way that they introduced not just the characters of, of the, of the Black Panther and his uh, co-stars, um, but this one I think did the same thing in a much more limited way for Namor and the, and the telecon, mm-hmm. because that, that scene where they swam through and you get to see day to day life for these people. It's like, it's a it's a much more limited version, but it's the same kind of thing. So yeah. I, I would love to see more of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I don't know, although I don't know if I want Telecom forever. No, I, <laughs> I don't know either. I, Namor was an intriguing character, but like you said, Tracy, he doesn't end up being the good guy. And even at the end, he's got to sell what he did in a way that I'm like, he's just kind of sleazy and I just don't like him, which is fine because that's how I feel about him in the comics too. <laughs> so I'm totally okay with that, but I don't want to okay, be about him. I want him to pop up and keep being a player in the, in the universe, but I don't need a movie. I'm going to give you a counter to that. Okay. Um, I actually kind of want, I don't know if I want a movie or a series to, to flesh this out. What if Namor is not the worst one? What if uh, Namora and Atuma make I, a power play and Namor then has to be the lesser of two evils? Not necessarily a good guy by any stretch, yeah. but you can tell that they were not satisfied with the way that resolved. No, yep, I could totally see that happening. Yeah, I could. I I would be there for that. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'll t- I'll, you know what? I'll take the maybe. I'll take that. Here's the thing. If Marvel puts out a movie, Robert, I'm going to go see it. So it doesn't really matter. I'm there for it regardless. But 
<laughs> I may be more excited about it than if it's just, hey, let's anyway. Let's swim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I did love that she pulled out one of his wings, though. That was one of my favorite parts that of the whole great. movie. Um, all right. There's so much that we can talk about. We could go on for hours and hours, but uh, we do have to wrap this up. Thank you, Robert, for being here. Yes, uh, thank really you for having appreciate me. It. Your knowledge on, on comics and the history of the Marvel Universe and everything is just, it brings so much to this show that that uh, it, uh, it's just so much better when you're here. So thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Any time, I'm happy to be here. Um, next, no, not next, but this yeah. Friday, we <laughs> are going to be at the Midway. Please come join us. We are going to have so much fun. We are going to be raffling off prizes. We are going to be doing Disney trivia. We will not be answering the questions. We'll be asking the questions. So you do have a fair <laughs> shot against Tracy Val and me because I think together we would be a pretty powerful Disney trivia team. I'll be That's honest. That's true. With our powers combined, yes. Yeah. So you are Captain uh, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> We're the Disney's. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> like the Marvel. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't, or follow us on wherever you listen to us uh, with podcasts. Leave a review. We always appreciate that. And make sure that you like this video and share this video. Thank you so much for being here. And until next time, we won't see you at the movies. Bye. 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 This has been an Age of Geek media production.